Hello and welcome to episode 138 of Just Keep Writing. A podcast for writers. Bye, writers. To keep you writing. I'm Marshall. I'm Nick. I'm Brent. I'm Gabe. And I'm LP. And gentlemen, we are here, joined, interestingly, by our guest, who is also a co-host. Will Ralston is here with us this week. Um, finally, finally, to be in the hot seat to talk about something that he created uh, called The Vessel. And uh, we are going to talk about this this week. This is going to be a short series as well. I can't wait to dive into this and find out what it's all about and to hear from um, one of the creators himself. Will, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much, Marshall, and and all of you handsome gentlemen. Oh, God, I saw something yeah. like that coming. Okay. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to step aside and throw it over to Nick, who's going to drive this episode and lead us through some questions. But we have got a whole crew here tonight, um, so we can throw anything out there to old Will here and finally get to hear from him on the creator side. I'm excited. So, Nick, take it away. Yeah. Well, look, I'm really excited for this, too. I've been gearing up for like two, three weeks now. Uh, but this, I mean, this is going to be part of, of what I hope is we can start talking more about graphic novels and comics. What better way to kind of start that off and those conversations off than someone who has written their own webtoon? So the vessel can be found on webtoons and tapas. You can find the links below. But we're coming up. Will correct me if I'm wrong, but March 1st is your one year anniversary from the release date. It is. Yep. We're coming up on that. This is going to be a special like mini series here. Um, thank you for coordinating with us and getting back to our agents on this so we can get it scheduled properly. Um, hope you like the gift basket. I have a bitch, so you're lucky. Who has agents? <laughs> what are we talking about here? No one <laughs> likes Marshall, you're the agent stop. for the podcast. <laughs> okay, I was just going to say, is it me? Am I coordinated? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. Um, so the vessel. Give us, talk to us about the vessel. What is the vessel? And maybe more specifically, what is a webtoon as well? You might want to throw that out there too. Okay. Let's start well, with that. What's a webtoon? A webtoon is like a web comic book, but webtoon was the app we actually started on. There's something called webtoon canvas where you can basically self-publish your own um, webtoon on there. And it, it's panels that go vertically. So you really want to view it on your phone, even though you can view it on your um, computer. It really is made to be read on your uh, phone. Um, and it's shorter than a comic. You can basically do about uh, 70 panels um, per episode. And also you have to think it's a little different than writing like um, a comic book that's going to be published, you know, through like any of the comic book companies on the market. Um so once you go through Canvas, if your series becomes popular enough and you are continuing it, you can actually be a Webtoon original where Webtoon reaches out to you and then you basically are then paid through Webtoon to produce work on top of doing like your own Patreon and the things um, that you can do as a creator also to make an income. So there's a couple different ways that you can make an income while doing it. Oh, I lo love hearing that. So – Describe in three words, riding the vessel. Um, I would say experimental, um, challenging, 
I should have been ready for this. Yeah, it's it's baffling that none of us ever are. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I would say mysterious. All right. Well, I did throw you off. I didn't want that to be the first first question here. But let's go ahead and unpack those words. Experimental. I mean, I originally actually wrote this as a mini comic for my um, graphic novel writing class, and I actually drew the that one, which was terribly drawn, but it was it was a fun it was fun to do in class. Um, and then what happened? I put it away. Um, I thought I was going to touch upon it later, but I started writing other things. Um, and then what happened is uh, Sebastian, who is the artist on this, we actually had a class together and we were just talking about anime and things that we liked. And it just kind of dived into, um, oh, I have this idea. I think I really want to do it, but I don't want to draw it right now because I have been going to art school. I have been, my art skills have improved a ton, but I just don't have the time yet to actually draw and do a whole graphic novel as of right now because i have my classes and then i have you know i'm busy so it's quicker for me to write and so it was an experiment because what i had for a mini comic you know for a it was literally 16 pages we had to do because we had to create a beginning a middle and end then morphed into this whole entire saga and it was really interesting to see how much of what I thought the story was and then what was really coming out in writing the vessel. So the next word you had was challenging. Um, you know, it's challenging. It's, it's creating a balance of doing a web comic, right? So the beats are different than writing a short story than even writing a normal comic book. So you really want to make sure that you are, not just thinking as a script, but you're also thinking visually and you have to look at the strengths of who you're working with as far as an artist. The lucky, the, where I feel really lucky is that I do have a visual uh, language to draw. So I already knew going in what language I needed to use to the artist. So I felt like I have a one-up. And the balancing act of writing a comic when you're not drawing it is to play to the strengths of the artist, really engage them with what they love to draw, and also what is difficult. And what I really tried to do is make it not so overwhelming in the difficulty of what has to be drawn. Because if you tend to do that, you're making it harder for the artist to tell the story because you do have to think visually. And it's much different. So I've written screenplays and plays. Writing for comics is much different medium than any of them, right? Because you literally have to either A, describe in detail of what you want, or B, you have to let the artist draw it because there's no one way to write a comic. You can look at it the Marvel way. And the Marvel way, if anyone doesn't know, is that you're just listing plots out that what happens, right? You're not putting any dialogue in it. And the artist does all the work. But some artists can't draw like that. They actually need you to say, 
panel one, I want to see this panel two is this. And I think even though I have a visual arts um, language and background, I think it was also a learning process of knowing and in conversation with Sebastian of what is working like, okay, this panel I can actually take out that I actually wrote visually because there's another way that he can do it. Or sometimes um, Sebastian had to add some panels. So it also makes you learn to lean down on your script and to really like look at what we need to say with language versus what we need to say with pictures. What was the last word? Mysterious. Mysterious. Yeah, I think it was just more of a. Um, how was it mysterious? Because what I thought I was writing about is not what I was writing about, and I think I I sometimes I never feel creative enough, like ever, and then sometimes I surprise myself. Because then it was like, all of these characters were speaking to me, and all of this is rushing out, and everything was just pouring out. And it's not that I didn't have trouble writing it at certain periods, because I did, but because it's like, I have to feel story energetically. And the only way I can describe this is like, when you paint... And you think of the picture that you're painting, or you're looking at something that you're painting, you don't start with details, right? You actually have to block shapes in. And when I'm writing, even though, say, like I have an outline or I have an idea, I need to feel those shapes and then it visually come into focus little by little as I build it. So writing the first issue, first episode was relatively easy. The second, pretty, a little bit more um, difficult. But then by the time we got into episode four, that's when suddenly it's like, it was hard for me to think about, okay, where am I going with this? And then it was like a waterfall. Then it was like everything was opening up. So what I thought was going to be a story about these kids coming over a supernatural town, it really turned into the right to control your own body and your own experiences in life. And I think I didn't expect that to come through at all. I didn't realize that's what I was doing when I was doing it. Do do you think, sorry, do you think that because, is episode four, is it the, where you were in the plot that you realize, because that is the, that's where it goes back in time a bit. Yeah. And and I'm wondering if that was when you like the light is the light come on because you went back and kind of got to tell some of the kind of the, I don't know, the history and the, and like the meatiness to what is going on in the world is why it kind of, open it up. I'm just curious. Cause I, I noticed that there was a shift between three and four. Cause obviously you go back in time. So, yeah, I think in four, it was really just like getting some of the other characters and, um, really kind of, 
after I finished that thing, it was like, oh, okay, there's so much more to this world than I thought. Mm. And it just suddenly, I don't know, it just hit me. Now, oddly enough, a couple things were happening during this time. Uh, Roe versus Wade um, was just, you know, overturned on the Supreme Court, which gave it back to the states. And specifically in school, um, I started working on this painting that is about Roe versus Wade. Mm. Um, and I actually took parts of the painting also include parts of the painting by, uh, Max Breckham or Beckham, um, who did this, uh, painting called Bird's Hell, um, in 1937, um, in Austria in response to what the Nazis were doing. And in this painting, they were all like demon like birds, right? It's, it's, visually stunning and really um haunting and so i think in some ways like i was kind of grappling with this but also there's like the trans rights that are going on and who controls their their own bodies and i didn't realize like that is kind of what my main character deanna is going through but also all of these queer kids are trying to you know find their identity and also it deals a lot with religion and cults and where people want to be uh in power so before we dive further into that let me let me insert and ask because you're getting to some details but what what's the pitch what is the vessel about um, the vessel is about uh, my main character, um, Deanna, who lives in a town of Wildwood, New Jersey, which actually is a real town that I grew that I would visit when I was a kid. It's a coastal town, and she has just lost her parents and her girlfriend in a terrible storm, and she moves in with her girlfriend's parents at the time, and it deals with. Um, uh, an, uh, her friends basically, and you know, they're all queer and she's suddenly being used as a vessel by this cult called the, uh, way of the truth that are trying to channel a being inside of her. And what they don't realize is that she's actually a vessel, which is a medium of the highest order. And it's just about this town that suddenly has all these secrets and you don't know who's in the way, the truth. Um, and you don't know who's after her, who's trying to kill them. And all of her friends are starting to also have these abilities. Like Daniel is kind of like a clairvoyant and who can, who draws things and sees the future. Then, you know, uh, Lauren is a witch and you start to learn about the history of the town as the series goes out. And then, you know, chaos ensues. So the cult kind of controls the spirit that, uh, that has entered her body. But Deanna is actually trying to control everything. So she also goes in this thing of like, who controls Deanna? Is it her? Is it, um, the en- entity that's in her or is it the cult that's controlling the both of them in her body? So, you know, that's basically what the vessel's about. Well, I mean, I love, love the conversations. I, and I remember 
all the writing through it and the the conversations that we had before. Um, but I kind of want to take a take a trip down memory lane a little bit. We haven't talked much about comics here before, um, not not too much. But I want to know what got you into comics and graphic novels, and why you decided this project would be your first graphic project. Um, I mean, X-Men, you know, I think, um, you're a queer kid growing up and X-Men was a perfect analogy of growing up and being hated upon, but you're a mutant, you're a superhero. And I think being queer is a superpower. I do. I think a lot of people try to dim your light because they're afraid. And I think that's really about them, not us. And I think X-Men really made me feel like I had a place, even though it was completely imaginary. And you would just, you know, reading for me has always been a way to escape what was going on at home at the time and in school. And, you know, it was really during a sad period and a really like heartbreaking period in a lot of ways. Um, so I would say X-Men is first as far as reading comics. And that was my biggest one. And then, you know, I got into other things, but I feel like X-Men is always like a cornerstone of what I still to this day will read, you know, and gravitate towards. Why, why the vessel though? Why was this your first graphic? What? Well, really, that was actually Sebastian. I mean, well, it goes back. Why did I write it for school? Um, I don't know. I wanted to write about a possession story because it's frightening. I, I, whenever I would read about actual possessions, it, it frightens me because I don't like people trying to control me. I think especially because, you know, when you grow up queer, people are constantly trying to control you. You know, I remember my mom pulling me aside and my sister sitting at the table and telling me how my mannerisms were wrong and I needed to change and I can't act that way. And it was upsetting. And, you know, you look back and I'm like, God, I, I kind of grieve for that kid. But it also made me feel like a puppet. Hmm. And I told my mom that. I said, well, by you saying that, it makes me feel like I'm a puppet and you're trying to control my movements. And I feel like I'll, I feel like a lot of queer people, when they're younger, go through things like this and they don't get to be who they are until later, until they're free from those. And so I think that's what made me initially do the project, The Vessel, in school because I was afraid of being controlled. Um, but also I was afraid of being possessed, you know, like when I was a kid, I was really, you know, you saw the exorcist and I grew up Catholic and I went to Catholic school. So having a demon inside of you and also too, is like, I mean, this is another topic, but like there was an incident in high school where kids waited for me outside of school with baseball bats. Um, and I, to, you know, beat me up and I wound up beating all of them up because I was in martial arts by that point. I, I was just about to get my black belt and um, the one mother and this one kid was like captain of our football team was like, you know what you would consider all American 
uh, spit on me and told me that the devil was in me. And as much as bravado as I had, and like, I was like, well, then I guess I'll see you and your son in hell. Like as much as like, I have this attitude of like, all right, whatever, you know, that deeply affects you because when you grow up and all you hear about is that you're evil, that you're terrible, that you have no value that weighs on your mind as a teenager. So I think that's one of the reasons why I did it in college. And I think with Sebastian, I just pitched it to him. I had three things I wanted to do. And Sebastian was like, no, I want to do this. And I was like, all right, cool, dope. And then it kind of evolved from there. Does anyone else have a question? Just throwing that out there. I don't have to ask everything. Well, I wanted to ask, I guess, was um, with the – is Wildwood actually, like, that queer-friendly or – or is it just like, because I just know my experience, and I guess maybe this story being a little more modern, that's okay. But like, I didn't have queer friends as a teenager. Like we were all, we, we, well, let me take that back. We were queer, but we were all in the closet. Like nobody was open about that thing. So. No. So, I mean, definitely when I grew up, no, I, I mean, I, you know, I came out at the time it was considered really young. I mean, maybe it is now, I don't know, but I was 15 when I came out and um, I had no queer friends. I mean, except for Michael, you know, um, no one could be out and Wildwood wasn't. Now, is it now? Now, one of my friends teaches in one of the area high schools. Yeah. Yeah. It's changed a lot. Like, you know, what I, I think what I love about the kids grown up now, it's like, Oh, I'm just so happy. Like, yes, people are stupid and say things, of course, but like, there's a much more freeness about them and that they can be. And it makes me so happy that they can be that way. Yeah, 100%. Like, it makes me feel like it, it, seeing them get to be as free as they get to be kind of makes me feel like the shit we went through, not that it was worth it, but that there was, um, Something hopeful at least came out of it. That all the fight, the, all the battles we fought, and all the um, the 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 hot rocks we had to walk over barefooted. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. Hopefully, yeah. you know it, it doesn't spare the children. I do know, but it's funny because like I was talking to this one of my friends who was uh, a Gen Zer because uh, I, I I like kids, right? Uh, Mara Mara uh, Olivas and. Uh, I was talking, we were talking about how like being so online from the time they were like little to now, they're super cognizant of their, um, their, uh, online personas in a way that like hinders them from being like, as when I was a kid, when I was coming out, like it was about let your freak flag fly because there aren't a lot of us. We're not going to get a lot of opportunities to do this. Like we have to make them uncomfortable in order for them to be comfortable and it seems, uh, it seems that like without the same level of, of struggle, they just don't they they don't feel the need to be as open and and forward as we ended up having to be. So it, it's it's all interesting. Sorry, this wasn't supposed to be a yeah yeah. I didn't want to take it that way, but yeah, no, it is interesting. Well, I mean, I think too is that like I wasn't trying. I made, I mean, everyone's queer in the story because uh, why not? I mean, how many times as kids did we read where everyone was straight? 
all the time. Um, and like, I don't, yeah. I and don't. as adults. Yeah. I just, I'm like, well, why wouldn't there be a bunch of queer kids? Because we exist. So, and I don't think, you know, yes, a little bit in the story that I was developing, there was like um, Deanna's girlfriend, Jen, who passed away. Her parents weren't excited that she was with Deanna and that it was hard on them because some parents do go through grieving process where Deanna's parents, you know, had written it that they were just like, yeah, okay. You know, they were, they were okay. And I think, you know, me coming out was so me coming out. It kind of makes me laugh. Like if you didn't realize it, like, I'm just going to be like, you're an idiot. (laughs) Um, It was my oldest sister though, because I was most afraid of her because she had kids already, right? And I was super close. I am super close with my nieces and nephews. And you know, when you're a kid growing up and all you hear about is how evil you are and how evil homosexuality is, you just keep questioning yourself, am I evil? Is there evil in me? Especially going to a Catholic school. And uh when I told her, um, you know what she said to me? She goes, Okay, um, are you dating someone? And I was like, Oh, well, you know, I was telling her about uh michael at the time and um she was like okay cool do you think you could babysit the kids tonight (laughs) and like it was just like okay and i was like yeah of course i can i was like you're not upset she goes well why would i be upset i pretty much knew since you were three and like okay like i just want you to be happy and the odd thing is is i was most worried about her but it was my other sister Uh, one of my other sisters that really flipped out on me and was pretty mean at the time. And, um, and then my dad, uh, who said he would put me six feet under, that wasn't a, um, great response. So, you know, so it goes back to the, why I made everyone queer because, well, why not? We had to grow up with everyone straight. Why can't everyone be queer? And even with all that exposure to straight people, it didn't make us straight, huh? Exactly. Look, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I tried for a little while. Tiresome. I kissed one Tiresome. girl and I threw up on her. I am actually a golden gay, so. I'm also a gold star. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a platinum gay because I didn't even come out of the section. Oh, yeah, wow. Yeah, my mom had a C-section, You're platinum? yeah. You're a platinum right. gay. Mm-hmm. Wow. I am. Yep. Didn't even wave at it on your way out. Okay, I see no, I was like, hey, y'all. So go ahead, Nick, or whoever. <laughs> Does anyone else have another question? They want to ask Gabe, LP. I'm already contributing. I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> so coming off of the, the this subject here, one of the questions I have for you is about the representation that you have. You already talked about why not make everybody queer, but I also want to talk about the different cultural backgrounds that you bring into this that's at the forefront each character is so unique in their cultural background and that's a representation of how you grew up kind of walk me through the decisions based on that and why you wanted to do that as well i mean i don't know if it was like a decision as much as like writing what my reality was and i'll say this like when i my neighborhood was very um it was predominantly black and hispanic And, um, my high school, because it was a Catholic private school was the majority was white. And I always found that to be really odd 
I remember coming home and even my grammar school was pretty much pretty white. I remember though coming home because I'm thinking high schools like college, you know, like I kept thinking like, oh, I'm going to this other town. I'm like, it's like 30 minutes away from where I live. So I'm thinking there's going to be like this radically mixture of people. I don't know why. Um, and then I came home and my mom's like, you know, how's school? And I was like, I was like, it's kind of scary. There's like a lot of white people. And um, I wrote the characters because it was just my world. I mean, it's just as simple as that. Um, yeah, it just, you know, I mean, even being in New York too, I think this is another thing too. Like I do realize in some ways I live in a bubble, but I'm just, everyone's different than me for the most part. You know, like I live in a great diverse city and I realize that it's easy to be somewhere and still only gravitate towards one group of people, but that's just like never been me. So it was conscious and unconscious at the same time. Nope. That was the answer I was hoping you would give here. Um, Marshall and then LP. Actually go LP. You go first. Actually, I'm the moderator, Marshall. You go first. I know, but I my question is more structural creation, and I think LPs is probably not. How dare you know me so well? Um, I guess my question is: I was surprised by the 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 dearth of Latinidad. Like, obviously, I see that there are people in the in the in the in the piece that like read as such i'm curious like knowing that you grew up in a very black and brown neighborhood like why that didn't show up a little more considering your background in what the story itself yeah like with who with the adults or with the kids uh i mean look so some of the brown people and the black people can be we know that latina shows up in a lot of different we know that it, Hispanic people show up in a lot of different skin tones. And I was just curious, like, I feel like I asked the same question with uh, Victor Manibo when we read The Sleepless, just like where I would have liked to see more Filipinicity. And in this case, I was like, I'm curious why. Why more? Why? Because like Deanna's Latin, Daniel is uh, black and white. Um, Izzy is actually, uh, her family's from India. Lauren's black. And then Jen's white. Okay. So, so like, it's really only like Jen and her parents. And then I think one of the teachers uh, were introduced and the, uh, one of the cops is Daniel's dad, who is not white. I think it's his mom. I forget. Yeah, I'm never looking for white people in the story. I'm, I'm yeah. more, I was, I was looking yeah. for more, more of Deanna's. Like, like no, I felt like, I felt like, you know, like the, I mean, Jen's really the only white character in the, um, in the main group. That I was really going in. Cool. I'm not asking about her. I know you're not, but like, I don't know what else. I don't know who else I could have written in there to make it more diverse because like Deanna's Hispanic. Daniel's black and white. I think, I think if correct me if I'm wrong, LP, I think what LP is like um, saying is like, I guess more of like the, um, a Latin focus, like not so much like, um, that is not present, but I guess like deeper, maybe. Is that what you mean? Oh, like, like more like, well, 
I mean, you correct me if I'm wrong, LP, but just like more like, I guess, like cultural touchstones. Is that what you mean, LP? Like, yeah, yeah. Cause like, it's not a conversation about like, I'm not asking why isn't this story more diverse? Uh, versus like, I'm not actually not having been counting the white people in it. I'm more thinking along the lines of like, huh, how I feel like I talk about this a lot. And if I'm repeating myself, please excuse me. Uh, like, you know, I like to read books. I like to read work by people who are not like me. Uh, not because I'm trying to, you know, virtue signal, but because like it gives me an opportunity to be witness to an experience that I can't have because of what my identity is. And so on the one side, like you grew up in a diverse town in New Jersey, but like the lead character is a Latina woman. And I was like, oh, it would be cool to see a little more of that represented or to feel like I'm getting a chance to witness that. Does that make sense? It does, but the story doesn't dictate it at the beginning of what I've written so far. Like. There's only, if I was writing it as a book, it would be completely different. I would be able to deepen it more. But because it's done in a visual way and I only have so many panels for script and the way the story moves, I would need to have done way more. And you'd have to be a little bit more into the episodes for you to really feel that culture. Because there is a lot of culture that will play into play that I had planned okay. after those 10 episodes, but it just, it didn't get there yet because it, there wasn't a reason for the story yet, but it would have played in just like Lauren's background of being a witch actually comes from another thing I had in turn, but it's just, I only had so much room to like hit the points and make the story move. Okay. Marshall. Oh yeah. Sorry. The, the, the witch stuff. I can't wait for that. I'm, I'm really excited about that. Um, but I guess Stay what I want to know for the world building episode. Well, and that's what I don't want to. And so if, if my next question is something we're going to tackle, I know we've talked about having um, Sebastian, right? Sebastian on with you. Um, but I'm, I'm curious because this is a collaborative piece. Comics usually, I mean, almost always are. Um, and you are an artist. Um, I'm curious, you, you took a writer role clearly with this, but you know, this, uh, I guess what I want to know is what the, what was the collaborative process like, um, to get the episodes out, um, when you plan, because I know just as a runner of a couple of podcasts, it's not easy to get everybody together and get something done and then to get it out there. You know what I mean? So I guess what I'm wondering is what was it like working with Sebastian and what did you have a role slash, I guess, uh, say in the art portion of it. And did I overstep Nick on a future episode? Hold on. Yeah. That's a future episode question. That's going to be solely dedicated about working with that. If you could tailor the answer a little bit so we can go in more depth later. Yeah, because yeah, of course, but let me just say that. Can you, can you introduce Sebastian too, like first and last name and stuff like that? We've only I guess said the reason Sebastian. that I'm asking this too is because not everybody knows the difference necessarily between a webtoon and a, and a regular comic or graphic novel. So I just wanted to see if there was something different between those things as well. Well, just like I said in the beginning of the episode, it's 70 panels 
for a webtoon versus a comic book is uh, is anywhere from 110 to 135 panels generally. Um, and you have to think visually of how it's moving um, through the phone. And it's Sebastian's name is Sebastian Grimbaum. Um, he is from uh, Mexico. He grew up in Cancun. So he is also um, Latino. And um, yeah, I mean, I definitely had a big say on, you know, you're working with the style of the artist because how I drew them and how Sebastian was drawing them are totally different. And I wanted Sebastian to visually be able to have fun. You know, this should have been fun. And as far as like, um, how did we like get it done is we literally talked every day. I mean, luckily this is another reason when Sebastian's here, we'll talk about it. Um, Sebastian was waiting for his green card. You know, he couldn't work. He was only going to school. And so in a lot of ways, this was just us talking every night or meeting up over drinks, me, him and his wife, um, and like talking, you know, and he gave it like this really cool sensibility. And he just like, he loved getting the scripts and he was like, I can't believe that happened. That's not what I thought was going to happen. So that aspect, and we can dive into it later on too. I love that. Let's talk about the differences in media as a whole. Comic books versus webtoons versus graphic novels and then versus novels. What was the hardest part about writing this series for you in comparison to writing a novel? Um, Well, I mean, just, you know, I think LP really like kind of pointed it out. Like you want to see more of like a certain aspect of a culture come through, right? But you have to think about, I have a limited space to get people interested and it's a comic book. So you want to hit some of those beats first and you kind of want to introduce the characters in a certain way. And, you know, maybe next time I can have it more nuanced in a book, I can get those nuances more. I have more time to stretch things out and to enrich in it. In a graphic novel, so there's different forms of graphic novel, okay? A lot of graphic novels are just a collection of single-issue comic books put together. Um, I realize nuance was not a word that you used, LP, but I'm using it because he put that in the chat, because that's really what it comes down to, is about really seeing what the culture's like and not just using it as something as like a place value. Um, so that's how I'm interpreting it. So what I would say is that in a graphic, if you're just doing a graphic novel, a lot of times it's that um, if you look at a graphic novel, say like Amulet by uh, Kazu Kibishi, the way the beats are can be a little bit more similar to a novel, but he's also drawing and writing everything. So you have a little bit more wiggle room. Um with a comic book, you know, there'd be more chances to probably get um, nuanced. When you look at webtoons and like tapas, there is a certain rhythm to those stories that are different. Um, so I think that's really what the differences are. What's the biggest thing that you learned about your own writing style 
from this project that you're now going to take and use in your other writings? I have no idea. I'm not satisfied with that answer. So if you need That's a minute. That's the honest answer. <laughs> I'm not satisfied with that answer. <laughs> you know That's what? The honest answer. Get his agent on this line. <laughs> I'm his agent. Okay. So I have a question. Um, it also looked like Gabe had his hand up too. Yeah, but I, I want to. Gabe had. Uh, if he had his hand up, go, and then I'll come up with some. Right. This is a little bit of a follow up to previous questions. Talking about like the constraints of the medium, which is what you talked about after LP's question. And did you find like writing for th- for this medium similar to any like length of story, like comparative to a short story or flash fiction? Or like in what way were you feeling like similarly constrained in how much you put into the into the story? No, you can't even, personally, you can't even think like that because it's a completely different medium, completely, right? Like you're working in such a different way. It is, yes, you can say it's most similar to writing a screenplay, but it's not because you're constantly thinking of art and the artist and how things are going to look on the page. It's completely different. And this is why like um, Brian K. Vaughn, who... um, right saga is really resistant about putting that comic book which is like one of the number one best-selling comic book series out right now um about really resistant about putting on tv because he's like i'm not sure it will work it it can't be translated frame for frame and i think we've seen that with certain movies like watchmen because there was a lot of things that um they did that were like frame for frame that it just doesn't translate well um to the screen so no i it is it is not like a short story because there's differences in a lot of ways some of the things that i could do in a short story with this i can't do in the comic book you know and there's some ways like if i made it a novel there's so much more i could do just from the get-go you know those 10 episodes would maybe take me like three or four chapters, you know, like there's so many different ways that you can go about it. So I can't look at it like it's similar. It's its own creation. So I know some folks, uh, and we've talked about obviously the differences in the mediums. And, and so my question, there's two parts to it. One is what is the, you know, comics have a certain release schedule. Um, what was your guys's release schedule? Was it like in line with what webtoons usually do? If our listeners don't know, and I'm also wondering, the second part of it is, um, you have interspersed these vlogs, these little um, uh, what do you call them? Um, Izzy's vlog one, two, three, four, whatever that is. So, like, I'm curious. So, like. Was that an intentional part of the release schedule? Like, how does that, how does that work? Cause I think it gives some amazing, awesome character insight that you don't, you wouldn't necessarily get in, in the issue itself. So, I mean, we didn't get to obviously finish the vessel because Sebastian got, you know, a job and was real life hitting. So ideally what Webtoon tells you is to come out with a weekly web comic. Mm-hmm. 
But what a lot of creators are having is major burnout, you know, where they're producing, producing, producing and burning out. And a lot of them are writing it and drawing it. Um, and I think even just writing it could be burnout. So I, I had to say to Sebastian, like, what is going to be conducive? And at first he was like, no, I can totally do a week. And I laughed because I was like, okay, I knew he, I knew it, it is really hard. Right. And then when we were actually developing it, he was like, you're right. I need to do it every other week. So the whole point is, is if you're doing it every week or once or every other week or once a month or every three weeks that you're consistent, that's the biggest thing. And up until we, you know, stopped with episode 10, we were consistent. But the idea was, is what would, what would be something fun that we could do that would be like, just like a teaser for what's going on and tell a simultaneous story. Because in a novel, all of Izzy's vlogs, I would be able to like weave in, in a much more cohesive way. So it was kind of like to gain readers uh, insight to create something fun visually for like social media and stuff. And also for the story itself. So people could go back and forth you know, and if, if I had a chance to continue it, I would continue it. I just don't have time to draw it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, maybe something else will happen with the vessel. Nice. Well, I, li- I, li- I like the mystery element there. Okay. So, uh, so supernatural things happening in a small town is kind of like a genre onto a subgenre onto itself in some ways. Um, were there any works across any medium that kind of like fed into how you wanted to present Vessel? Um, I mean, I'm really inspired by, uh, James Tynan, the fourth, something is killing the children. I think that's a really fun, scary comic. I'm obsessed with it. Buffy. I think Buffy is obviously a huge influence. Um, I was waiting for that one. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Scooby-Doo, I think, is also a a really big influence because I love Scooby-Doo. And I think... God, there's another one. There's so many things that influenced me in, in like, little ways. Um, Lee Bardugo, I think, definitely, like... Some of her characters, I just really like the interplay of them. So that was like, and I just think small towns or towns, just suburbs in general are mysterious to me because there's so much being said without being said. And there's so many people that are just so, I don't know, I evil. I think there's more evil in the suburbs than there is in a city. I'm biased though. It's because they have to drive in with all the evilness from outside the city. (laughs) <laughs> for reals yeah I well, what I will say though I think in the point of city versus suburbs I think what I can at least deal with um, with the suburbs like, at least from my experience they'll let you know when they don't like you and they let you know quick whereas like in the city they'll play in your face like they're your friend and they'll like string you along and string you along then stab your ass in the back See, you know, I personally think that's a West Coast thing versus an East Coast thing because I feel like in New York, they'll fucking stab you in the uh, front. They don't care. Yeah. 
That's true. Now, uh, having been to like, having been to different places, yeah. Well, that and well, and that's that's what I mean. Boston feels like a suburb. Boston feels like a suburb mm-hmm. that's a city with the way that they act. Like, I mean, I also think New York is a very. I don't even know what I was saying. What was I saying? You're saying New York is a different animal because you're all yeah. on this one island together. Just, yeah, exactly. Yep, it's just different. Yeah, y'all got y'all got to fight rats the size of puppies. <laughs> For real, and they'll drag pizza along in the subway. Yeah, I know. I've seen them. The things are gigantic. Yeah. They're, they're their own subspecies. And I think also living in LA, like I was living in LA uh, full time for like two and a half years, and I do think there's a much more artificialness um, with the way people build friendships at first. And let me well, just say this to everyone: I knew that going into it, and I'm lucky that I got to find really wonderful people. Right. Well, and the only re- the only way I'll push back on that being a West Coast thing necessarily, though, is because a lot of them people from L.A. came from the East Coast first. Yeah. And they bring that. And- then they're not New Yorkers. I feel like they- this is an L.A. conversation, oh, and yeah. I would love to try. <laughs> and- okay, we do this off camera. For the third episode in a row, we have another conversation to discuss for later i I love it uh what a good night well thank you thank you agency for letting you on and stuff like that you know i you know watching you go through this process has always been fascinating so i'm really glad we're taking the time to actually sit down with it you know some of the other episodes we want to talk about i want to talk about world building and magic building and things like that getting into these characters and things and, and learning how you've structured it. So thank you for this like introduction to a webtoon style episode. We've got some deep dives coming up here soon and we're going to have Sebastian on as well. But the question of the night, what keeps you drawing? <laughs> oh, what keeps me drawing? Not writing. Um, on, dude. Um, I'm obsessive about, I'm I'm actually really obsessive and compulsive about being creative because I don't feel like I'm creative enough. So I have to. It's just I'm not happy if I'm not like making art. And I and a lot of it is because I don't feel like I'm good enough. I feel like I'm I, I need to keep hitting it. So there we go. And there's another side conversation to have. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks for letting us do this. Peace. And we're so proud of you. We are. Oh, thanks. I'm glad we finally got to have this conversation, so I can't wait to talk about it more. All right. Thank you. Thanks. And this has been Just Keep Writing, a podcast for writers, by writers, to keep you writing. You can find us at justkeepwriting.org. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Feel free to reach out to any of us on our social medias, and please jump in our Just Keep Writing Discord channel. Links to all of that is in the show notes. Lastly, please support our show by going to patreon.com slash justkeepwriting. We offer daily writing prompts, early access to podcast episodes, and much more. Thanks for listening, and just keep writing.